The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241, or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Hello, and welcome to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman. You are listening to me on WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston, Boston's community radio station. So, as always, I like to just jump right on in. I am going to talk about a few things. I did say that one of the topics at least for the foreseeable future, that I'm going to address is anti-Semitism. I think that we have reached such a crisis point in regard to how America's Jewish community is perceived and how it is treated and, and how Jewish communities are perceived and treated around the world that I think that it deserves an ongoing spotlight And I hope to offer perspective that is not readily available in a lot of other venues because I just think that when it comes to discussing anti-Semitism, when it comes to unpacking it, I think that there are a lot of aspects that have been left out. And I don't want to do that because I think that if we are going to really take concrete steps to address this bigotry and call it what it is, I think we need to talk about not just the bigotry toward Jews, but but yes, how Jews are perceived, right? Uh, the perception of Jews and how that affects ultimately how we look at anti-Semitism. When we think about anti-Semitism, do we think it's a threat? The way in which we perceive Jews, well, for a lot of people, that translates into anti-Semitism isn't a real threat. It couldn't possibly be a real threat. But again, this is something that you know, this particular type of bigotry, this is bigotry. This is something that I, I really want to discuss into in detail because I think that for far too long, we have not had an honest discussion about anti-Semitism. And, and that just can't be. With all the attacks going on around the world, both verbal and physical, it, it's just, it, it begs, it begs some kind of honesty. I also want to talk a little bit about the elections that took place in Boston, um, the Boston City Council. I mean, I'll just say right here and now, I just, I am sorely disappointed, profoundly disappointed even in my fellow Bostonians. I don't know how bad the situation needs to become in Boston you know, in a number of different respects, for people to perform their civic duty. 
that there were only reportedly 9% of registered voters that had turned out to perform their civic duty by noon on Election Day. Really, that actually angers me. That angers me because there are people in this country who were willing to give their lives, and some of them did lose their lives just so that we could all vote. And people can't do it because, well, what, the the weather's not good? Oh, because they don't have any real choice? Oh, because their vote doesn't make a difference any old way? I'm just, I'm tired of all the excuses. And above and all, above all, I'm just tired of people who can spend all kinds of time on Facebook or X, formerly known as Twitter, uh, and all these other different social media platforms complaining and ranting, but they can't get off their backside and vote on election day or you know, mail in a ballot or it's just, it's just so easy to vote now. They're they're just, you know, you have, you have options. You can vote early in person. You can vote in person on election day or you can mail in your ballot. Really, what is the excuse for people not to be able to vote? Like what, what is the excuse? Really? I, I, I just, I don't understand, but we're, we're going to talk about that. So first, let's talk about anti-Semitism, because I think, for me, uh, this, this I think, demands uh, the majority of the show. First of all, people generally don't think of anti-Semitism as a big deal, in this country at least. They really, really don't. And that's wrong. Any type of bigotry is a serious matter. Anytime you have people who are judged according to different standards, anytime you have people who are not treated with the respect that they deserve, just as human beings, that's a serious matter. Anytime people are seen as a group with immutable attributes attached and that's where it begins and ends, there is a problem. You know, I'll say that there are a number of Jews that have been successful by American standards, by standard, by the standards of most societies around the world. But I think a lot of that comes down to the culture, the Jewish culture and education plays a very big role. So it is essential, it is a critical part, I think, of the Jewish, the Jewish culture uh, for, for people to apply themselves, you know, whether they are at, you know, uh, say a four-year university or a two-year university or in a vocational program, whatever type of training it may be. And I'm, I'm referencing training, education, professional formation at more of an adult level, um, but just really throughout 
one's life in the Jewish culture, education is so vital. It's it's it's. I I, I like to think of it as it's a way to better fulfill our duties as Jews. And, and let me explain that. A lot of people think that Jewish people, we think that we're superior to others. That is, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's, it's hateful. It's absurd. You know, the idea of being chosen, it, it connotes a lot. And it actually has nothing to do with thinking that I, you know, because I am Jewish, that I'm better than anybody else. It, it means that I have decided to live my life according to certain rules. And I have responsibilities that come with that. And it's... You know, it's actually, it can be weighty sometimes, but, you know, I'm careful with my words because I don't look at it as as a burden. I look at it as a joy, but it, it, you're, you're waking up every day and you're trying to be better, do better, but not just for yourself, but for others as well. And you're doing it within a framework of laws. And, you know, this idea that, you know, we think that we're superior, that we're better, and it comes from the perversion of, you know, this idea about Jews being the chosen people. It comes from the recognizable, the discernible success that many Jews enjoy according to, as I said, standards that would be pretty much shared in many societies around the globe. But again, I think that's down to education. And I think that, you know, as I started to say, I think that when you are educated it's it's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. And it enables you to entertain ideas and then to engage in activity that will help you be better and do better and be better and do better for others because you're you're not just improving your lot, but you're improving the lot uh, of those around you. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, just generally, broadly speaking, of the importance of being physically fit. And I think for Jewish people, there's this very strong emphasis on being intellectually fit, and it's not about, again, just learning, imbibing, or even devouring all kinds of information uh, to spit out later, to regurgitate later. It, it, that's not what it's about. It, it's about 
training your mind to look at a situation from a variety of different perspectives. It's, it's, it's the, it's training you, training your mind, training you to be able to entertain the ideas of others to put yourselves, put ourselves, put myself in the shoes of someone else. So it's, I think holding yourself to a higher standard than a standard that's higher um, than, than, than what would be the norm maybe for a number of people. And again, this isn't about superiority. It's about taking on additional responsibility it's about taking on additional goals. And it's about, it's always been for me, the way I see it, it's not just about how I'm doing. It's about how my neighbor's doing. It's about how the people across the, the city are doing. It's, it's about others. And it's about and I'm going to keep on coming back to this word, better, making things better for other people. And so, yes, it's, it's holding yourself to, uh, I think, what most people would look at are very high standards. It's, it's about being intellectually fit and nimble. And I think that that has enabled many Jewish people to, 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 to be successful in their chosen fields. But that's been used against us. And that's been a source of resentment. It's been a source of jealousy. And it's also a reason why a lot of people don't think that anti-Semitism is a big deal because how bad could anti-Semitism be or how bad could this particular type of bigotry be if there's so many Jews that seem to be doing well by most people's criteria of evaluation. And I think that, to be fair, I do think that a number of people who might think that, like, well, how bad can anti-Semitism be if you see so many Jews that are successful? I, I don't think that that's, that in itself, for me, doesn't equate to someone being an anti-Semite. Of course not. I mean, it's, I think it's, it's more... And I don't want to say it's a cluelessness, but I think it's more, it's just, it's kind of just maybe not knowing. It's, it's kind of hard to find the words because I think that in American society, in a lot, over the last, I would say, 30 to 40 years, 
when we think about bigotry, we tie it into oppression. And I think that bigotry can certainly result in people or a peoples or a person being oppressed. I would never dismiss that idea altogether because I think that there is that link. My argument is that it's not categorical. It's not to be a victim of, of, of one of the isms You have to be oppressed. It has to result in you being oppressed. You have to be discernibly oppressed. I don't agree with that. People can be made to feel isolated, unsafe, uncertain, scared, regardless of what he or she may do for a living or how much he or she has in the bank. And let me just tell people that it's, you know, for all the success that is found in Jewish communities around the country, you know, around the United States and around the world, not every Jew is rich. I'm certainly not. (laughs) I'm certainly not. Um, Not every Jew owns two or three houses. Are there some? Of course. Does every Jew? No. And to think that, it's it's a bit silly. But to get back to my point, and I really want, if, you know, if there are any takeaways from tonight's show, I think I want one of them to be that Anyone could be shaken and left feeling very vulnerable and even in danger from being on the receiving end of bigotry. It's not just black people, you know, black Christians that can be the focus of discrimination, that can be the targets of discrimination are are black Muslims, right? You know, a white Christian male can be the target of discrimination. A white Christian male, a white Christian heterosexual male can feel in danger. Now, I freely acknowledge that there are some demographics that are more likely to be on the receiving end of bigotry, that are more likely to be left feeling vulnerable or insecure. I freely acknowledge that. But to, to, to generalize and to cling to that idea that only certain people can be the victims of bigotry, and bigotry translates necessarily into the targets of the bigotry being oppressed, I reject that. 
Does it happen? Again, I will, I will not categorically deny it, but I'm not going to categorically affirm it either. And so I think that this idea that because, you know, a lot of people think of Jews as successful and, you know, wealthy and really smart and thriving, well, what's the problem? I mean, we're not... We're we're not suffering, are we? You know, and it's kind of funny because I say we because, you know, again, I'm Jewish, but I'm not white. <laughs> and so that that's another issue. You know, Jews, for, for a lot of people, uh, you know, that necessarily they're white. And I mean, I don't feel like I'm on this earth to educate people. That's... That's not my job. It really, truly isn't. If people have questions and they approach me in good faith, I'll, I'll answer to the best of my abilities. And if I don't know an answer to a question, I'll say so. But, you know, to educate someone like, oh, well, not all Jews are white. No, that, that's not my job. It's not my job to make someone less ignorant. <laughs> I mean, they've always been Jews of color. We come in all shapes and sizes, but I do bring up color because for a lot of people, um, the idea that there are oppressed, there's also, of course, then that there's the idea that there, there are the oppressors, and the oppressed are... For some, they're always and only people of color, and the oppressors are people who are white. And I just, again, I reject that. I think, again, anyone could be the victims of bigotry. Um, if there is an instance where there is a, 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 a causal link or there is a relationship between bigotry and oppression. I think anyone can be, uh, again, on the receiving end of hatred and oppressed. And I think anyone can be an oppressor. I, I really, I, I really do believe that. But I say all this because this is part of the reason why a lot of people don't necessarily take anti-Semitism as seriously as bigotry against blacks, um, you know, people of color who are considered black or who are black, um, you know, without their ethnic background or faith being taken into account. Um, it's, I think it's a reason why you know, say, if we're talking about homophobia, homophobia is certainly taken more seriously than anti-Semitism. Look, it's not, it's not, I'm not here to argue what type of bigotry is the worst. I think it's all horrible. And that's why I get up every morning and I try to treat people with respect. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what you look like. Um, the person whom you love, that's your business. It's certainly not any of mine. Uh, it never has been. It is not, and it never will be. Um, but I am here to say that 
again, it's, you know, I'm saying again a lot tonight because because there are a lot of points that really need to be hammered home that need to be reiterated. People don't seem or they don't take anti-Semitism as seriously as other types of hatred. And so that needs to be addressed because I think that until we recognize anti-Semitism as just as toxic and just as vitriolic and just as ugly as any other type of bigotry, I don't think we're going to make any kind of progress. We're going to go to a quick break. Um, When we come back, I am going to continue to talk about the scourge that is anti-Semitism. Again, you've been listening to me, Rachel Meiselman, on Bostonian Rap. This is WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. This is, of course, Boston's community radio station. If you are struggling to afford internet service for your household, there is a new government program that may be able to help. It's called the Affordable Connectivity Program, and it provides up to a $30 monthly discount to qualifying households. Find more information about the program, including if you qualify and how to enroll at FCC.gov ACP or call toll-free at 877-384-2575. That's 877-384-2575. You got me! The galaxy is safe once again. Sometimes kids play with pretend guns. It's up to us to make sure they don't play with real ones. Keep yours stored locked and unloaded. Learn more at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. Hello, and welcome back to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman. You are listening to me on WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston, Boston's community radio station. So before I went to break, I was talking about anti-Semitism, and I promised that I would continue to talk about it. So that's what I shall do. I think that, as I was saying, people's perception of Jews and people's perception of victims of bigotry, I think that quite frankly, those erroneous views lead to people dismissing anti-Semitism. I mean, of course, yes, there are a number of Jews that are successful, right? And I'm going to keep on going back to uh, standards, by most people's standards, are you know, in different parts of, of the world. But it's not because of that that Jews cannot feel hatred. Of course they can. And when I learned of October 7th, I immediately thought of, obviously, Israel, and I have family over there, but I also thought of Jewish communities around the world. And I knew that there would be a number of incidents, a number of very scary incidents, and that's exactly what we've seen. And it's not about me being negative. 
Um, it, it's about me being realistic. It's it's me being realistic, and it's it's <laughs> it's one of my um, I think better qualities. <laughs> I don't see things for how I wish them to be. I see things for how they actually are. And so sometimes that's not very pretty, and sometimes it can be downright ugly, but you have to look at things such as they are. I mean, you can always aspire to trying to make a situation better, um, but before you can do that, you you do need to uh, look at a situation and... Um, you know, really kind of do it through a sober lens and um, refrain from embellishments and adorn adornments, all of that stuff. No frills, just this is what it is. And the reason why I knew, I feared that there would be incidents around the world is because that's what normally happens. But because... This is a war unlike we've seen because some of the reactions that we've seen around the world have been unlike we've seen since World War II during the Holocaust. I, I think that people, uh, I think in the past, they, they kind of, again, they didn't really notice or zero in or pay too much attention. And that doesn't mean that people were apathetic to anti-Semitism, some of them. I just think that, again, it just didn't seem to be that serious of an issue. Well, I'm telling you it is. I'm telling you that there are people who are incredibly hateful. I'm telling you that this has nothing to do with Israel and the Palestinians. This is Israel and Hamas. And Hamas has it well, it's 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 on a genocidal mission. It's undertaken a genocidal mission against Israel. If you look at the charter of Hamas, <laughs> It's you don't even have to take my word for it. Just take Hamas's word for it. Uh, their mission, their goal, is to eradicate Israel, and it has nothing to do with land. It has to do with hatred of the Jewish people, because it's not just Jews in Israel. It's it's Jews everywhere, and that's what it is. It's been, I don't want to use the word interesting because that would be uh, horrifyingly inappropriate, but it's been an experience seeing how different people have reacted and see, and, and, and seeing watching, observing what they say and do and supposed support for the Palestinians. I don't want to talk about 
of any good coming out of, of something that has been already so horrific. But what I'm going to say is that I hope that the Jewish community, myself included, we can take this and we can start moving differently. I think that people have gotten away for far too long with saying and doing things that are not nice, that are unpleasant, that are even hateful. And there's been a hesitation. Well, I don't know if we can say anything. I don't know if we should say anything. Is it really that big of a deal? It is a big deal. Because what I've discovered in my lifetime that if you don't stand up to bigotry and if you don't call out what it is and what is going on, that's going to give the purveyors of hatred the green light to continue and to... It's going to embolden them. It's going to lead them to say and do even more hateful and dangerous things. And, th and that's what we've seen. And that's what we've seen. So I'll say that. And then I also hope that now I'm moving forward. I'm going to use a phrase that I've heard from Jeremy Burton, who is the executive director of the Jewish Community uh, Relations Council um, here. Uh, it's Boston-based. Uh, I have to, I have to, um, let me just, I'll look it up right now, actually, because um, I don't know. I think they might have chapters elsewhere, uh, but let me just see. <clears throat> I think that there are other chapters. I know a fair amount about, you know, J it's called JCRC for short. Um, and then there's, of course, ADL. Uh, yeah, so it's, yeah, it's, uh, they have, they have um, Jewish Community Relations Council in, in, in different municipalities, different areas, regions around the, around the country. And so the executive director here is Jeremy Burton, and, and to use, to employ a word that he has used, um, swivel-headed. And as someone on the political right, I welcome that because it has greatly angered me as a conservative uh, Republican Jew that systematically when anti-Semitism is called out, it's called out on the political right. Now, anyone who's followed me knows that I have no problem whatsoever criticizing someone on the political right if he or she is not a nice person, if he or she is a bigot. I have, I, and, and I've done it at, at, at risk to my standing on this side of the aisle, but I don't care. If someone is saying things that are reprehensible, 
if someone is is engaging in activity that's both intellectually and morally repugnant, then I have an obligation to say something. And where that person's political sympathies are in the spectrum, where they fall within the spectrum, that does not concern me. And so that's why all along I have called out bigotry of different kinds um, and certainly anti-Semitism on both the right and left. But what, as I've said, what has angered me is that there's only this desire to call out anti-Semitism if it's on the if it, if it's if it's if it's uh, stems from the political right, and I don't appreciate that because this is it, it helps it, it perpetuates this idea that if you're conservative, if you're a Republican, you're a bigot. Oh well, you may be nice, but you know there are a lot of people on your side of the aisle. But let me tell you a little something. Some of the nastiest things I have heard since October 7th have come from the political left. Now, don't run off and quote me and say that the political left, you know, they're in fact the bigots or that there are no nice people on the political left, that there are no decent people on the political left. Of course not. There are decent people on both the left and right. And I very deliberately said left First, left and right, because I want it to be abundantly clear that this segment of tonight's show is not to disparage and rant about the political left. What I'm saying is just simply that the political left can be just as hateful, you know, someone on the political left can be just as hateful as someone on the political right. And if we are serious about addressing anti-Semitism, then we can't be selective about our outrage. We can't be selective in calling people out. I also want to address uh, this, this new trend where we call out anti-Semitism, we decry it, we denounce it as something that's horrible, but only, and I guess this is an extension of what I just said, but only if it's someone that possesses views, political ideas that diverge from ours. And I'm sorry, but I find that offensive. Do not use the very real specter, the very real scourge, I should say, better word, of anti-Semitism and, and fashion a political cudgel with which you beat your you know, opponent over the head with. It's just, it, don't do it. People like myself who have been on the receiving end of anti-Semitism, we deserve better than that. And, 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 and in using that as a political tool to silence your opponents, it, it's, it's just, it's diminishing the importance 
and the nastiness and the ugliness of anti-Semitism. I'll also say that there are now Jews who have spent, I don't know how many years, just lambasting anti-Semitism on the political right. And now, only now, they are adopting the position that I have held for years. And that is, and I'll, I'll use Jeremy Burton's word to d- describe what my position has been, swivel-headed. I don't cut people slack. I'm not going to cut ugly and hateful slack. If you are ugly and hateful, I don't have any use for you. And it doesn't just have to be, of course, if someone is anti-Semitic. It can be homophobic. It can be anti-Muslim. It can be anti-Black. It can be anti-White. It can be anti-Asian, anti-Hispanic. I don't care. If you're hateful, I, I just... You can just stay over there and, and I'll, 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 stay, I'll stay right where I am because I don't really want us to be uh, any closer than we have to be with one another. That's how I feel. But I am offended that it's only now that some of my fellow Jews acknowledge the vitriol on the political left. It it, it took the multiplication, the horrifying multiplication of, 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 of just scary incidents of verbal attacks and physical attacks, all kinds of activities designed to make Jews scared and to bring us collectively on our knees. And it's only now that some of my fellow Jews, my, you know, some of my brothers and sisters, can decry the hatefulness on the political left. Really? Just now? It took all of this for you to adopt the position that I have held for years. And yet, I was someone who was kind of on the outside looking in because I am on the political right. Because I am a Republican. So it's my hope that moving forward, people will be swivel-headed. Because this is, a, this is another takeaway. If someone is serious about combating hatred, they're not going to pick and choose. They're not going to cherry pick the moment for outrage. They're not going to cherry pick the moment where they engage in activity to fight a particular hatred. I also, on a last note, and then, you know, the last few minutes I will talk about the elections in Boston, the city council elections, uh, it's time to hold people accountable. It really is. Uh, I have been a firm believer that our allies, allies 
um, with the Jewish community, we should fight for them very, very hard because we can't do it all on our own. We can't fight every everyone all the time on our own. Our allies are our family. They are extended family. And I, I think of so many people whom I, I love and I respect and I hold in the absolute highest regard. And so let me be clear, when I express concern for my brothers and sisters and myself, know that I'm also expressing an equal amount of concern um, for our allies because I want us all to be safe and to be able to get up every day and move around without fear. But just like we need to be aware of our allies and cherish them and stand shoulder to shoulder with them as they're standing shoulder to shoulder with us, we need to call out people who are not our friends. There are some people in the Jewish community who might not be ready or willing, if ever, to condemn Ayanna Presley, but her calls for ceasefire and couching it in a speech where she says that vengeance is not a foreign policy doctrine, that is so unbelievably offensive and insulting and, quite frankly, hateful. I want to see people hold Ayanna Presley accountable. She has not been a friend of the Jewish community, and I know that there have been a number of people uh, who are Jews who have supported her very strongly throughout her political career, have been incredibly good to her. And so for her to be a de facto supporter of the atrocities that Hamas has carried out and to try to make an argument against Israel having the right to defend herself in the wake of the atrocities that were carried out against her, I, I just that that is just so unbelievably disgraceful and shameful. Really. Absolutely. So I'll be talking more about this. As I said, it's going to be an ongoing topic because it's just, it's, we, on the last note, and again, this will serve as a takeaway, the Jewish community, we can't go back to how we were living before October 7th. We have to think differently. We have to carry ourselves differently. We have to move differently. When we sit up straight, we've got to do that differently. I, I don't know if everyone understands just how... how impactful in the very worst way, in the most horrific way, in the most... Uh, horrifying way, uh, Oct uh, you know, October 7th, what, what that day uh, has meant. And I think that it's, it's, it's brought a new awareness 
of how we should go about our daily business and and how we should interact with others and how we should see ourselves and 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 and, and how we should rethink or that we should rethink this idea of well should we defend ourselves well of course we should and i'm not just talking about israel defending itself against terrorist attacks i'm talking about you know when we hear the stereotypes when we're bullied when people make the nasty jokes when people use the tropes we need to fight back So as promised, I want to um, pivot, if I can, <laughs> to uh, the city council elections. So we have about six minutes left in the show. And I just, like I said, I just, it's profoundly disappointing that so few people get out and vote. I don't think people understand There are people who are elected to office, who are elected to the councils, Boston City Council. They make a lot of money, a lot of money. They are making decisions that affect us on a very local, localized municipal level that that's what it is the boston city boston city council they're making decisions that affect our daily lives these aren't decisions that they're making that we read about newspapers and we can somehow convince ourselves that well we're kind of maybe indirectly, if that affected. No, they are making decisions that impact how we get to work. They make decisions that impact if we even go to work, if we have a job to go to. And I can talk more about that in another show, but they, they make decisions about what our children are learning and how they learn and how much they learn. They make decisions every single week about the quality of our lives. And so whatever money you that we do earn, how we spend it. It's, okay, we spend it, but what are we going to get for the money that we're spending? These city councils play a big role, I think, in answering that question with their, with their decisions, with their activity, or lack thereof. Let me remind people, I think only like 20% of the people, registered voters, came out to vote. Are you kidding me? That's scandalous. That's shameful. That's disgraceful. 
these city councilors have a job to do. And we need to hold them accountable. And it's not about being mean to people. It's not about being insulting. It's not about being difficult. No, they have a job to do, and it's a very important one. And when we don't get out and vote, we're saying that these people can basically just cash their checks. They can cash checks and just chill out to the tune of over $100,000 a year. I'm not comfortable with that. And you shouldn't be either. These people are public servants. They're not celebrities. They're not rock stars. And they're not our friends. I mean, they could become our friends, and they're certainly... Some people on the council, the Boston City Council, whom I like very, very much. But in their capacity as a counselor, they are public servants. And they are there. They're our first port of call. And they're there to address our needs and concerns. And we have a responsibility on our end. And that is to hold them accountable. And if they're not doing their jobs then we need to look for someone new. At the very least, we should be getting out to vote. That's so, so, so important. And we can no longer, you know, I said at the top of the show, the excuses that I've heard, you know, some of the things that people come up with, you know, as reasons not to vote. We can no longer accept that. We can no longer say that that's okay because it's not. We have to vote. We have to know who represents us on the Boston City Council. We have to know their names. We should know the uh, the standing committees of the city council that they chair. We should be familiar with their voting records on different issues. We should know their different positions. It's not a bad idea to know who donates to them. And maybe even ask them, well, how do you reconcile taking money from X if this is your position on this particular topic? The bottom line is, is we have to be accountable to ourselves and we have to hold the members of the Boston City Council accountable. And on that note, I'm going to say goodbye. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to hanging out with you next week where I'll talk about this a little bit more. The preceding commentary does not reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network at 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Mass., 02119, Attention WBCALP 102.9 FM. If you would like to arrange a time for your own commentary, call WBCA at 617-708-3241 or email us at radio at bnntv.org.